off, we're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up. Welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Orphan 18, and tonight we're going to be discussing hairography. My guest today with me is Carly, or also known as Caro Jane on Tumblr. Hi. Hi. All right. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we are starting hairography here. Okay, so there's not a lot of Kurt in the beginning part of this uh, episode, season, what am I talking about? Um, episode. Um, we get a lot of background moments. Um, and, uh, one of the things I like to start out with, um, that's been a running theme is, um, Kurt kind of just being done with Will and his teaching. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, I know they're all supposed to be out of it, but, um, he's just kind of he in the background. He like, eyes, like, every time Will talks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I guess they're supposed to be practicing something and he's just like, eh, I don't know. And um, also, when when they go to the the Jane Adams school, he just kind of sits there. He doesn't even clap at the end of it. Yeah, just... none of them really clap. But... So. Yeah. <laughs> but I like you wrote in your notes um, about you know when he gets his wig, he just kind of comes alive. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like the um, Will is talking. Like the camera is facing Will talking to Rachel, I think, and while the whole choir is trying on the wigs. And in the background, and then it pans back to the the choir with their wigs on, and Kurt, who's usually like you know crosses his arms, like sullen, rolling his eyes, he's sitting there in the middle, like sitting straight up, looking straight ahead with this huge grin on, and with the blonde wig, which I love that he has the blonde wig, when everybody else has like the the black. He looks really good in the blonde wig. He did. I did. Yeah, he looked. <laughs> it's like he took the time to make sure it looked good oh, on yeah. him. Because the rest of did. them kind of half-heartedly put it on, and he's like, yep, I've got this. And the whole time they have to wear the wigs, he's very much into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, if you think about it, like, throughout the series, he does his best performances when he has, like, a lot of props. He loves the props, like. Like, if you think about his uh, audition for Niata, he's like, I can't do it without without my props. And then, like, even his toned-down version, he has, like, the gold pants. So, Oh, you know, that's kind of a fascinating thing that I've never really kind of thought about. But, yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind going forward because, you know, during Rose's turn, he has his big giant oh, yeah, curtain. Oh, yeah, um, Even if it's, I don't know if it's, imaginary in his head with like glee magic or whatever but yeah the big sign yeah <laughs> um i think yep. it changes a little once he gets to new york and niada and he like his freak out he doesn't have props when he's 
auditioning for Niata. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the big thing about him. He has to have his props. Well, or his piano, because a lot of his, yeah, his other solos that are kind of more intimate or emotional take place at a piano. Yeah, either playing or lying on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so uh, getting into the plot, um, I, I, I'm sure you noticed, I don't know if you watched the whole thing or not, but every time I come to this episode, Glee has this thing about themes, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And this one is distractions. But the thing is, they say distraction in this episode, like, 500 times like they nail it into your head that it the theme is distractions um so and like i i never noticed that like they (laughs) everyone says the word distraction at least once (laughs) Um, little things i never noticed i know is that crazy (laughs) and i i really should listen for it more if to see if they do um if they, they do that if with they say it, episode. yeah, in other episodes. Yeah, you know. yeah. I don't know why this one just stuck out. It's probably because every character said distraction at some point or another. So, yeah, I guess um, the distraction with the hair are the obvious one. But, mm-hmm. like, uh, Quinn getting Kurt to distract or to make up yeah. Rachel by distracting, to distract Finn. Because her distraction was Puck and then... yeah. You know, Will has the distraction of the car because Terry is distracted by others. It's just there's a whole lot of distractions in this in this episode. Um, so you know, uh, this is our first scene with real first scene with Kurt and Quinn, which is an interesting combination because we just don't get to see them very often together. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was, um, I thought that was interesting. He pointed out this is the first time um, that you've ever talked to me, which I thought it was weird because. I just, like, this song, um, Keep Holding On, from, I I forgot which episode, a couple episodes before, where everybody's singing to Quinn after she um, is outed for being pregnant. Right, ballad, I believe. No, 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 that's Lean On Me. Um, Shoot. Yeah. um, You're right. I I can't remember what episode that is. That's so horrible of me. Yeah. JBI outs her to Sue, and Sue kicks her off the team. Yeah. Whatever episode it is, but um, but during that song, he stares at her and like like it looks like he he has so much love for her and sympathy for her, and yet like they're not they're not friends at all. You know, and- that's that says a lot about Kurt. Like he he's so like not very doesn't show his emotions a lot and towards people, but maybe it's when he sings more, but. Um, he really does have like deep feelings towards people that he just like hides. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I kind of think uh, I, I like trying to incorporate um, these, try to, to connect them all on a um, on a on a Watsonian level because I really think what's going on during that song is that at the time and. People can totally correct me if I'm wrong because I'm never 100% up on what, what's going on with the actors. Um, Chris Colfer and Diana Agron were really close. And um, I think that might have been slightly part of it. Because every once in a while you'll get these, um, for the first couple seasons, you'll get like these really tiny background moments of the two of them being very warm towards each other when they're, cus- when they're customers. But when, they're, um, when their characters aren't necessarily yeah when they're in the background really that nice to each other. yeah um, like yeah, but I, I like they're often um 
they're often partners in dancing yeah. and the choreography too, like that yeah. throughout the season. So I like that, that maybe that Kurt can, you know, has a little bit of empathy that he kind of just, you know, is, is quiet there or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. So she wants to distract um, Finn for a little bit so she can see if her and Puck have anything going. And so I love that it's so complicated. She has to get Kurt to distract Rachel, to distract Finn, so that she can go hang out with Puck. And she has always been known as, like, the queen manipulator and and kind of going to the king manipulator here. Oh, yeah. And she just totally outdoes him because she she plays him, like, getting, um, you know, him on a makeover. Oh, yeah, that's his his kryptonite. (laughs) And, yeah. Yeah. I also think, like, Kurt is, uh, he, he's very suspicious of her. Like, you can tell he's like, what, why are you talking to me? You never talk to me. But, like, he's, he's, Kurt is also really desperate for friends. He's very lonely. Like, throughout the first season, you see it a lot. And even into the, the second, uh, the beginning of the second season. And so she offer she offers this chance for a makeover and he immediately thinks it's for her. <laughs> but, um, I think he's like desperate. Oh yeah, she's she wants to be my friend. She wants to do this like this girly thing with me and um have fun with me and yay. And I wouldn't it's kind of interesting. I I don't know if I would 100% agree about the desperation part, but I do think that he kind of just latches on to, you know, he is suspicious. And, and I do love the moment where he kind of, like, turns it on her for a second and starts <laughs> giving her a makeover. And you can tell by the expression on her face that she was not expecting oh, yeah. him to come right back at her with a snappy remark, which I'm sure he's also been holding on to because he, uh, he, he likes to do that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, he... You know, she says, let's do a makeover, and he kind of just grasps onto that. And, and I think that is kind of um, overrides his his natural instincts to protect himself from one of the popular kids. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think um, with the desperation, I don't think uh, desperation is a bad word for it. I just think, like, he has the tendency when people are, like, kind to him or, like, reach out to him to be like, well, first, distrustful of it because, like, of all the abuse and um, teasing and everything that goes on in his past. But um, also, like, if if it's real kindness to to say, hey, this person could be my friend, kind of like how he goes after Finn because Finn actually shows kindness to him, um, his relationship, like, bonding with Mercedes and... Um, yeah, just because of the loneliness that he has. And, like, yep, no, no, it it makes a lot of sense. And the fact that she knows exactly what to say to... Oh, Chris Quinn does. She... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she she uses fashion, and then he says, let's make over Rachel. And that just is, like, a trigger, like, right there, like, and... You can just see, he, he, like, looks over at Rachel and is like, oh, God. <laughs> That's impossible. I can't do that. That's... <laughs> so, and I, I love that, like, after she kind of, like, gets, you know, her, gets her hooks into him, I guess, uh, he doesn't even question anymore. He's just like, yep, Rachel is in need. Yeah. You know, 
The pantsuit. I love, like, the look after she says, she's wearing a pantsuit. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, I guess then it goes into, uh, we really kind of just jump into that makeover scene with Rachel. Yeah. And we get our first big Hummelberry moment Yeah, here. and it's the first of two on-screen makeovers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kurt is really responsible for how Rachel looks when she changes her look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love that it, it opens and, and he's, like, doing her eyebrows and, like, waxing them. And, and like, obviously it's, she's never done any of this before because she's just, like, freaking out. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, and um, he's he's waxing the top of her eyebrows, and that goes on to say, never wax the top of your eyebrows. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, a, just a mistake or something, or, like, just, you know, Kurt being a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd never noticed that until you just said that. That's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> he probably is being a little shit, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, you know, we were talking about the Kurt and Quinn and everything, and here's Rachel, who's so desperate for friends oh, that yeah. she, like, they just have had this tension since Wheel over, you know, the Defying Gravity oh, yeah. diva off, and, I mean, it's just, she is so willing to latch on to anybody who's giving her any attention that it's just, oh, poor Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Yeah. I love Rachel. I used to not like her, but then I made myself sit down and watch this uh, the this show and be like, I'm going to like Rachel. I'm going to watch this and force myself to like Rachel. And like watching it, trying to figure out her point of view, like I I saw a different kind of thing. And I tried to do that with every every character, even with Will. Like yeah. trying to force myself hard. to like them. But no, I I really grew to like Rachel. Um, especially the last season, I, I went through a lot of things that she went through and uh, emphasized with her. So, like, so it was easier after that to go back and, and like her. But she was well, she's very hard to like. Like, even on the series, for like, she makes friends very difficultly. Right. Oh yeah, I completely agree with that, and I think that's why like this relationship kind of. Starts, well, it started more so in wheels, but, like, I look at this, and then for a moment, Kurt's all, like, I'm better than you, I'm going to give you all these tips that you don't know, I'm going to make you into this glamorous thing that all the boys want, because you don't know what you're doing, you know, and he makes that ridiculous joke about where he, he can't stand to be in her room because um, Strawberry <laughs> Shortcake and Holly Hobby hook up in there, and he wants to grow up. <laughs> uh, but, like, there's a moment when he just kind of cuts the crap and says, look, you know, you're talented, and you're amazing, you're just irritating, and I want to put a sock in your mouth, but she, she, it's interesting to me that she doesn't really even flinch, she kind of just takes it, because she's kind of accepted that that's the kind of person who she is, but his honesty about it is really sincere, and, and, and a lot more, I mean, as harsh as it is, it's a lot kinder, and from a lot better place than a lot of the, the people that she interacts with. And I, I think that's a very big thing in their friendship that she she wants him to be brutally honest with her, and and she like actually 
you know, respects that about her, like, as, uh, about him, um, especially, like, when they're living in New York together, like, they, they come to blows, but, like, in a very bickering and, like, best friend kind of way, and, like, this is the beginning of that, where, like, she, she's listening to him basically call her a overbearing, like, annoying mouth and uh being like yeah i guess so (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much but yeah um and it's interesting because like for that moment when he kind of softens up there's kind of a, a real almost bonding moment between the two of them and then she i don't know if that's why she decides to do it i'm i'm but she's like can you keep a secret and I'm like I'm always like Rachel <laughs> come on <laughs> but she's like I, you know I'm in love with Finn and then everything changes oh yeah he goes back on the defense and you know Finn is like like that touchy point that he's like okay back onto my devious plans here yeah yeah and then he I don't know if he already had that plan to make her undesirable to him or if I think so because I, I in I watched it like three times because I was trying to figure out the timeline here, and he says I know that Finn likes loose women in this scene, mm-hmm. so he had to have had the conversation um, of asking Finn what he how he likes his girls uh, before they did this. So I think he did come over with the intention to not only help her dress for whatever Quinn wanted, but also to you know if I can. But- but did he do that and ask Finn for that, or did he like, oh, oh, uh, does Finn? What kind of girls does like? Um, hey, he's not a girl, but he doesn't wear makeup and he doesn't wear. Well, he does wear tight clothes. He wears tight jeans, but um, like trying to to put himself into Finn's uh, idea of a perfect girl. Um, that's a really interesting point. Um, just because of the context in which we get to this, the scene where Kurt asks Finn about girls, I say no, just because it's embedded in the scene where he's talking, where Rachel and and Finn are talking. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that he would make himself more feminine. I mean, he's a rather feminine person, but, um, more so to... Uh, Kurt's always been one of those people that's kind of like take me as I am or forget it. Yeah. So I don't necessarily see him changing himself well, too well, much. Well, not changing, but kind of thinking like, oh well, Finn doesn't like girls that are overly made up. Maybe that means he'd be open to like a a boy who has like porcelain skin and. Uh, a lovely alto voice and you know hmm. something to think about i've never really thought about that it, but it is it something to put like, out there it could be either way it could be so so then he dresses her up yeah and it's season 4 rachel <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's what i have. it's yeah it's, or leah michelle or yeah <laughs> it's the 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 worst parts of season 4 rachel <laughs> I I have to wonder because I after the scene she comes to school and she's looking all dolled up and everything and 
Kurt comes to her and says, okay, on to phase two. And I'm like, what exactly does phase two entail? <laughs> and it's, oh, because they were talking about, so I'm assuming that because they were talking about Greece and because they were talking about um, Kurt making her a hoe, <laughs> that that was phase, that's phase yeah, two. Yeah, dressing up in the cat suit and with the, yep. the bad perm and <laughs> the bright red lipstick. <laughs> Which, yeah, I had to take a second. I love the fact that he kind of just twirls her around in the chair, and he's like, we're going to make you look like a hoe. And he's a little <laughs> delighted by that. <laughs> oh, devious, devious. Okay, so, yep, everything. So, yeah, he gets Rachel to dress like Sandy from Greece, and Finn um, kind of rejects that, and that's when we get that little exchange between Kurt and Finn where he does ask, like, that he wants dressed down girls and everything. Yeah. And um, then we get kind of, because that blows up in Rachel's face, that's when we get this big locker room scene, which I realize is only, like, two minutes long, but I love this scene. I think there's so much embedded in this scene. And a lot of people, I've, you know, a lot of people have said throughout the years they don't like Hummelberry because of the scene or how can they be friends because of the scene, but I think it's just, sets them off and I kind of see where everything that their relationship becomes is embedded in between wheels and the diva off and this little bit it makes a lot of sense to me yeah I think it's uh very much a it's tied in with uh the diva a lot too so um because I don't know like they've always throughout the seasons and throughout like um their their whole story they've either been competitors or they've had very like um very parallel stories like i mean the whole new york and getting into niata story paralleled their their first time paralleled like so um and they've been competitors like it came back in season uh four with the um midnight madness and and this kind of like started that well not started it it started in Devoff, um that they're competitors and this um it was interesting i found it really interesting that um like rachel pointed out like well no matter what um i'm gonna win this one because i'm a girl mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it's uh, kind of jumping back a little bit in the scene, we start off, she comes in, and she's like, you did this. And he re- he deflects it. He's like, you know, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And she just keeps going. And the thing about Kurt is that he always kind of has this he's shield around himself. He's not going to get, you know, emotionally vulnerable. He's not going to show that very easily. And so he's just going to deflect. I mean, he does it a little bit with his dad, um, in previous episodes, mm-hmm. um, he'll do it quite a bit with Blaine oh, yeah. um, every once in a while. <laughs> but here, it, and she just keeps going at it. She, you know, you know, she, he's like, you're, you know, you're making this up. And she's like, no. And then he's, you know, like, oh, you know what, you're whatever. And he, he's, she just keeps smashing down his walls. And I, I think it's kind of fascinating because no one else really does that. I mean, Bert kind of is is gentler in his approach and yeah, and letting Blaine, the walls down fall down when they will and brain right. ignores that they're there <laughs> yep <laughs> um 
and and Rachel's just like, I'm not gonna, you know, play these games with you, you know. Which, She's which like, really makes her a great friend because he needs somebody to like pull down his bullshit and like like bring down his walls so that that he feels like comfortable, like instead of somebody bringing down his walls like Karofsky in, right. in season two. You know, he needs somebody to, like, call him out and, like, just make him vulnerable and but be there for him. Right, and that's the key thing. Like, um, she points out, um, she points out, hey, you know, you, you like him, and he, he doesn't want to admit that, even though it's obviously true. Mm-hmm. And and he, he just kind of, like, he turns away from her, and he's really upset about, you know, her being honest with him, but she gets it. But the thing about Rachel is that eventually, I mean, even though it doesn't really happen here, later on she will do something like that and really get to the heart of the matter, but then when they get to the heart of the matter, they can actually rely on each other and lean on each other and be supportive of each other. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, we'll talk about it later, but, like, they share a look in true, during True Colors. Like, mm-hmm. they they really do break down. But um, first, first comes the argument and yep. where they, they're fighting over Finn and they're, like, while we we're both losers. Yep, and that's what like she because he's like you know what because he tries to, to give it back one more time and saying you know what you're not gonna get Finn because you know Quinn is having his baby and that's just not gonna happen and she's like she throws it back at him and saying you know second or fiftieth I'm a girl you're not that's the end of the story and that's kind of when. You know, he kind of finally gives up and and is a little bit vulnerable. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that was a, I don't know, a very, very big statement. Um, I think I I emailed this to you that just um, like he's he's going after Finn because Finn is nice for to him and he really doesn't have options because he's the only out guy boy in the entire school or only out person that he knows other than, I don't know, Rachel's dad. Um, and um, it, it, it made me think of like duets when um, he talks to Bert, Bert kind of warms him off about going after Sam. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I just want to be able to go to prom with somebody. I want to be able to hold somebody's hand down the hall. I, I just want to be like normal, and like I think this uh, his whole crush on Finn was about that as well because I had a tendency to do that um, going after people that were just nice to me even if like I wasn't att- uh, exactly like attracted to them or anything just like because they were nice to me and I always felt like that was kind of why Kurt gravitated towards uh, gravitated towards Finn was oh yeah absolutely we see it oh I'm sorry go ahead go ahead no I was just gonna say it It was because Finn was that that you know protector he says later in that saddest episode ever you know oh that's great that you know he walking down the hall in his in his um letterman jacket he felt like 
a protector to to Kurt. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, that's it's interesting because I actually think that's another thing that he and Rachel kind of have in common are these uh, like they both gravitate towards Finn because of Finn's genuine kindness mm-hmm. to both of them. Oh, okay. Um, but the other thing they have in common is that they're both deeply lonely people. And, and it's interesting to bring the parallel to duets because I think Rachel recognizes in Kurt just how, lone, how lonely somebody can be. And that's another reason why they kind of gravitate towards each other a little bit is that they understand what it's like to be alone. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think after this episode, that's the next episode that's really a Kurt-Rachel episode. Even though it's just that little bit at the end mm-hmm. where she goes up to him and th- then they sing that that duet. Right. It's it's gorgeous. Uh that just I mean, that's my favorite of of them singing together of I think it's one of my favorite of Kurt's um Get Happy and Happy Days. Yeah. Oh no, that is one yeah. of my favorites. Oh, it's just amazing. And, and I mean there's not much more with uh, with Rachel and Kurt between this song, uh, this this episode and that song, but um, but yeah, they they notice the loneliness in each other and um. Oh. no, go ahead. Oh, I I also wanted to say like they they talk about both of them losing. Um, yeah, because he chooses Finn. Uh, he. He chooses himself. No, he chooses Quinn. I get what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Finn chooses Quinn over either of them. But in mm. the end, like, they, those two become the most important people to Finn. Mm-hmm. Becoming his Finn's soulmate in Rachel and his brother. And and Kurt really does win by, by getting the relationship that he probably wanted with Finn like we learn in season two, he's not really thinking like very sexually when he's thinking of of things. So, um, so probably thinking of a a bonding and a like maybe having a guy as a best friend for the first time in his life, and right. that's what he gets. He gets a brother, and he gets somebody who he like who's there for him and who like has his back. And so, like, they both win in the end. I know. And that's really cool. And when you when I saw that in your notes, I thought, oh, wow, I hadn't really put it in, in that perspective before. But I, that's really kind of interesting that how in this moment, uh, well, more so in that moment at the end when Quinn is done with all of her distractions and she goes back to Finn and um, Rachel sees it and then Kurt sees it and, and Kurt turns to her and gives that little wave and it's like this connection that they both know that okay well Finn they both lost as you as you said and and really what comes out of it eventually is not only do they get a friendship with each other out of it but they do eventually get Finn in their own way and that's an interesting way to put it that you know I don't know you just don't know how things are going to turn out or or you know maybe Things are hard, and then they can get better from them. Yeah, I love that that moment when they look at each other and the waves. It's so cute. Yeah. Like it's so yeah, in a heartbreaking way. I just feel so. You know, here they are. They they are just 
brutally honest and harsh with each other, and they've been, you know, Kurt's been rather mischievous, and, and really this is probably outside of the whole and uh, um, unintentionally getting Ken Quinn kicked out of her parents' house. Um, you know, he, he he's devious, but he's usually not just this brutally devious or harsh, and this is probably one of the not as nice things that, that he ever does, but <laughs> the fact that, like, you know, here they are having this little squabble, and it really it doesn't matter in the big picture. You know, when you when you pull out, Finn's gone off with Quinn, and you know they can just, and maybe they all all they, they really do have each other. You know, that's it, kind of um, it, it's nice foreshadowing onto their relationship in the future, right? Even though it doesn't start really start until season two, but right. <laughs> Or showing that they aren't really as different from each other as they like to pretend that they are either. I mean, there are definitely some bigger differences, but they're, they have a lot of similarities, too. And, and I think maybe they, they start to recognize that with each other here, too. Yeah. So. Um, the other interesting thing, before we, we get to the last moment, um, the other interesting thing about this is that, Again, Kurt gets a, a minor subplot, and poor Mercedes is kind of shoved off to the, the sidelines And whenever Kurt has a major storyline with Rachel. Because I don't think we see them, Kurt and Mercedes, interact at all during this episode. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Kurt can only have one, one friend at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad. Yeah. like, I don't know, I, I feel his heaviness. Um in these smaller moments and um, it's kind of sad that they take the Mercedes aspect out of that sometimes. Yeah, I it's, it's one thing about the, the series. I wish they had developed the Kurt Mercedes friendship a lot more than they did. But at the same time, like, you can accept it that, like, people grow apart as friends. Like, they're still friends, but like, I had a best friend at the beginning of high school who, by the end, like, we were, you know, more acquaintances, but, like, still close friends and still had a past. So, kind of, like, can see it that way. But it's it's sad that, like, the, the great friendship that they were starting is kind of pushed to the side when, I think it's when Kurt really becomes such a popular character and so many people respond to him and and same with Rachel so that they became like the the two big characters of the show mm-hmm. absolutely and so like Mercedes got pushed aside to be like the secondary character with Tina and Artie and, and Mike yep. at least she didn't go the way of Matt so oh I know yeah, thankfully. I mean, poor Matt. Did he? He had like two lines the whole season. I know. I was surprised. I thought, I, I thought he didn't have any lines until like, two thousand nine, the the episode two thousand nine. But then I was watching an episode and, oh my God, Matt said something. Yeah, it's kind of funny, and um, it's the um, the oh gosh, what is it? When they're singing Two Star with Love and they're all talking about their school years, and he's like. At the beginning of the year, I was just another football player, and I'm like, oh, honey, that, that's all you are. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he also has a line during um, theatricality. He he explains his um, his makeup. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, a little shout out to all Matt Rutherford fans. You know, who is that? Who is that? Um, so yeah, then it brings us to the um, to the end here. Well, we I'm kind of skipping over all of the crazy performances that they do. Um, and um, we get True Colors, which Yay. we can definitely spend a moment on because you're. I, I think you're right. Poor Tina just is either gets cut off or is crying or is laughed at, and I think this is her run one real big solo that she gets where none of that happens. None of it. I mean, there's this one, and then there's the duet um, with Mercedes the next season, the Florence Machine song. Oh right. But but this is her only solo that like she doesn't go flat on a note. Nobody passes out. Uh, nobody boos her off the stage. She doesn't, like... She's not awkwardly trying to ask anybody out. <laughs> she doesn't start crying. Yeah, she doesn't try to ask out a, a openly gay guy. <laughs> oh, poor oh, well, Tina. And, you know, there is um, the the Diva song. Forgot about that one. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Is that one too? So, the Madonna song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I think I'm going to give Jenna uh, like a little shout out here because I think she she's may not have the the like oh gosh what's the right word for it um, Rachel has this kind of big booming theater voice and I know Jenna came from a theater mm-hmm. background and but Tina has just you know it may not be theatrically big but she has a fantastic oh, she does. voice yeah she's, and she's I a soprano. Mm-hmm. I, I am guessing, because I always thought, like, her voice, it was a lot like mine. And for me, like, I've never been a soloist, really. I've been really good at, like, matching people and, and blending and being a good choir member, but never, like, the star. So, like, I I think that was back in 2009 when I was first watching this, how I first, like, really identified with her. Um that, like, her voice sounded like mine and, like, her style, and I don't know. She's always been, like, my favorite, so. Um. <laughs> well, there needs to be more Tina Love oh, out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I just can't do a, a real good profile on her because she does get cut off so much, and she does get, you know, her performances are usually, like, comedy sticks yeah, or, yeah. or or whatever. And, and She's really good I, at that. I, I Every so often I post a Tumblr post that is that says Jenna Jenna Ushkowitz for um, get her into a sitcom immediately because like (laughs) she's really good at that like she's like and her laugh is infectious so um Uh. yeah and I hate like later on in the season she became a little too much of a like um a laughing stock kind of thing in um season five mostly um but I actually like the season six her little plot she got with Artie. Like, it was embarrassing because she always gets that, like, moment of embarrassment, but then it turned around and, like, the Artie, the tardy thing was adorable. That was a little bit of tardy. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I really wish we could have heard her voice a little bit more. Um, Glee has a tendency to auto-tune a lot of things mm-hmm. or overly edit or, or mix their songs, and I would love to hear what Jenna's voice sounds like without 
kind of all of the the things going on because I think Tina would have had you know Tina is really could have been a really good star and I I don't know if what Glee was really trying to say with that that some people just aren't going to make it as much as somebody like Rachel or if it was just a joke for them or what they were doing I, with with Tina I, I don't ever fully understand well I I think they you know they had so many characters that like they didn't really know what to do with her but um but yeah, it's that idea that like you know there's some people who just like they get over overshadowed. They're not bad. They're not like untalented, but they just get overshadowed by like these people who have the the passion and the talent and the the star quality. Blah blah blah. You know, not to minimize the you know the Rachels and the the Blaine right. and the Kurt, but like. You know, there's always going to be the the Tinas. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there is. Well, and we'll give we'll give. I mean, there's a little bit I want to talk about this, the song itself, but let's we can give Tina a moment right here. And then this was a really lovely song and a really lovely moment. And I'm I don't really think she does anything in this particular episode. She doesn't have any of the plot lines, but it is nice to see that she does get you know a solo and that they're. Mm-hmm. You know, this is more when uh, season one and uh, does a little bit. Um, they do kind of parcel things out just to see, you know, give everybody a moment to sing or a, or a solo or whatnot. So I'm glad that Jenna had a, and, and Tina had a chance to, to shine on that. So the um, the song itself, True Colors, I think is fascinating, and I didn't it didn't hit me until I watched it this last time. But with the theme of distractions, to have a song called True Colors, I, I thought it was really fascinating, and because the song is all about you know. Uh, and not getting caught up in distractions, but yeah. being true to yourself. Or, you know, it's it's saying, I see your true colors. So it's like, right. it's somebody saying, like, I see through the distractions to you. Like, yeah, it's, that, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it fits, um, well, it fits all of them really well, but it fits, like, it fits, well, Rachel and Kurt pretty well because it's like a, we were talking about it, it. It's the first time they really are seeing eye to eye on something, or, or, or seeing each other as kind of reflections of themselves. And I, I'm like, wow, that's kind of a fascinating way to musically to tie in everything that's going on in the episode. And um, and then of course the the looks you get all of the couple looks you get Finn glancing both at Rachel and Quinn. You get you know, Quinn looking at Puck. Um, all of these kind of longing glances, mm-hmm. and then you get Kurt kind of by himself, and and just the the heaviness and the loneliness of that moment kind of settles in. Yeah, and and, and you do see oh. Kurt looking at Finn, and and it shows Finn like catching his glance. Yeah, it yeah is I I wasn't sure like what exactly to make of Finn's look because is it like is it guilty like um. Like I don't want to hurt him. Like, no, awkward I, I, or like it's, it's more uncomfortable. Of a, right. It's, it's something that I. It's hard to tell when Finn is a hundred percent aware of of Kurt's feelings, but it's more of a okay. I hate to phrase it like this, but oh, hey, the gay kid's staring at me yeah. again. That kind of uncomfortable. I, I don't like how he looks at me sometimes, but you know. I mean, Finn does 
even early on, generally seem to like Kurt and, and want to help him out and whatnot, but Finn is still struggling with stuff himself, yeah. and it, it's to him, like, oh, this, you know, this kid is looking at me again, I, I just don't feel as comfortable with that, and so that's where that awkward look comes yeah. from. Yeah, I always got the sense that Finn understood that Kurt had a crush, but I don't know when that started, but, like, definitely by by the theatricality, he knows, because... Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> well, it's kind of obvious by yeah, then. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Some people aren't very, uh, you know, subtle about their crushes, and even though, like, Blaine was oblivious to it, (laughs) Kurt is very, very obvious about his crushes. Well, and that kind of goes with Kurt in general. He's just kind of, it's interesting that as shielded off as he is, and as much as he tries to play all of his emotions close, he's not very good at... um, hiding everything, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. So, I mean, and even at this end, uh, you know, I was thinking about, again, with True Colors, he's sitting here, like, the song's about showing your true colors, and, and he does all the time, and, and I guess that's just another thing that it, it's hard, because when you are different, or when you're just, like, that unique kind of person, you know, he he's pretty open about who he is most of the time, but that is the hard thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it would be, you know, sometimes he feels it, it would be easier to have a distraction or be something, quote unquote, normal or whatnot. Yeah. So we've kind of reached the end here. So thank you so much for joining me and we'll talk again soon. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up. I'll try to find gravity. And you won't bring me down. Bring me down. Oh, please be there. Don't miss TBD Podcast, a Glee podcast discussing Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson, uploaded every Sunday night on 2daydreambelievers.tumblr.com.